The following audio is from Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. We're going to finish up this morning with our gospel-powered parenting. Uh, we sort of mixed it up from the last time we did this. And uh, we, we said last week parents are to be teachers, Ephesians 6.4, the idea of um, putting into the mind teaching and instructing. We said, how do parents teach? There were four things we talked about last week. We teach through example. We teach through life situations. We teach with questions and answers. And we teach uh, formal teaching. That's um, family devotions, reading the Bible together, all those types of things, uh, instructing our children. And so this week, what we want to do is this. We, we just want to go through and, and just give you a couple areas on what to teach. And, and this list could be, uh, it could be huge. We've just picked several here to talk about this morning. You can add to these as well. So let's do this this morning first. Let me hand out these verses. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them. And we'll hand these out, and then we'll work our way through uh, the lesson this morning. So can someone take Proverbs 9.10? 9.10, Joanne, thank you. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2, Anson. Proverbs 8.13, Justin, this is good, I got hands already, okay, uh, Dan, um, Pelche, uh, Ephesians 4.29, Nancy, uh, Philippians 2.3, Mom, Proverbs 15.16, we have three more left, three lucky, Dan, we'll give you 1 Corinthians 4.2, Ben, Colossians 3.2, and uh, we don't have the last one. The last one is actually the whole chapter of Ephesians 5. Unless someone would like to read that this morning. Uh, no, we, we know Ephesians 5. All right, we won't read the whole chapter. Okay, so that's what we'll do this morning. What are we to teach our children? Okay, so here's the first one, letter A. As we are tr- trying to instruct our kids and our children, we want to make sure we teach them the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And uh, what does this mean, the fear of the Lord? Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Right. It's, 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 the, it's the main thing, the fear of the Lord. Um, to, to fear Him, um, to actually fear Him, to have a reverential respect for Him. The fear of the Lord is when my desires and my goals and my dreams line up with His, okay? And so we want to teach our children the fear of the Lord. And underneath that, several things uh, in line with that. We must teach our children to know God, to know Him. Um, if we want them to love Him... They have to know him. And so take the time to teach them. <clears throat> you do it by the songs they sing. I mean, we sing some great songs, even in Sunday school here, the kids' class. They sing wonderful songs about God and who he is and his character. <clears throat> take advantage of that. One thing that we had when, when we were first married is um, Patch the Pirate. Anybody know Patch the Pirate? Yes, okay. All right. And the truth is, um, sometimes that music really bothers me. But to this day, my kids... They know those lessons. They, at, at 23 years old, they still sing those songs, all right? By accident sometimes, but they sing those songs. And, and those lessons are there about God and who he is. And so we do that through music. Find some good music for your kids to listen to, all right? Uh, Patch of Pirates 1, I don't know the other stuff they have out there. I'm sure there's other stuff that people listen to that kids have. Veggie Tales is another one. Yes. Um, cheeseburger songs that are really good about teaching kids about the character of God. Um, wonderful stuff. <laughs> They had some great ones. The Jesus Storybook Bible, you can get that as audio. Mm-hmm. So they listen to that. Perfect. So there's a lot of things we can do. 
Uh, and that Jesus Storybook audio would be fantastic. So let me encourage you to do that. Um, fill their time with things that are productive like that. So, so let them listen to good music. Um, and don't be afraid to let them listen to, to music that has substance to it and is doctrinally sound. I think sometimes we forget, you know, some of the great men and women of the past were saved at an early age and they were doctrinally sound at the age of five and four and six and seven. So we, we, we want them to know God by the music we sing, the places we go. Don't waste opportunities. Hey, if you're out at a beach somewhere, man, talk about the glories of God. If you're seeing the, the majesty of mountains and, and, and the scenery, talk about who God is, his splendor and his creativity and, and his magnificence. We ought to be doing that. And those are great opportunities. Don't waste those opportunities. Um, of course, enjoy yourself, but take opportunities to let your children know God. Number two under fear, you don't have this, but uh, so fear God means to know him. It means to worship him. We must teach our children how to worship God. And, and, and be careful on this. Don't, don't make this distinction between the sacred and the secular. All of our life is to be worship, okay? And so teach them to worship God privately. Um, help them to, to the, the Jesus storybook or a verse to memorize um, uh, or their own private devotions, whether they're praying or whatever. Uh, teach them to worship privately. Teach them to worship corporately. One of the things that we're doing this morning on the snowiest day of the year is having our young people come in with us from junior church. And the idea is so they can come together with their family, with the body of Christ, and learn how to worship corporately. Okay? It's good for them. Um, and, and don't begrudge um, us of that. Bring your kids and we'll have a great time this morning. Okay? So know him, worship him, and please him. And that's all under the fear of the Lord. So teach your children to fear the Lord. Any questions, comments on that? Letter B, the second thing we must do is teach them to submit and to obey authority. Who's got that verse? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I, I know that we all do this. We think, oh my goodness, kids today are. right? They're not like they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. <clears throat> that idea has been going on for a long, long time. Socrates made a comment like that years ago, right? And, and said things like, you know, these kids today, they're disrespectful. That You know, it went on and on. And it's true. But I have to tell you something. In our world today, and, and I'm talking about even our churches, there really is a problem with our young people submitting to authority. I don't know about you, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but when I was a kid, listen to me. If an adult told me to do something, I was terrified. Anybody else experience that? Maybe because they'd hit you back then. I don't know. Um, maybe because we didn't have lawsuits back then. But if I was on the street and a guy in a car stopped and I was not enough, and he told me to stop it, I would stop. I wouldn't flip him off. I, and I was a punky kid, all right? I, I wouldn't talk. I would either stop or just run, okay? That, that's what I would do. I was terrified, terrified of any adult. Um, I, maybe it was me. I don't know. But there was a sense that there's an adult and they have authority. It's not that way today. You can talk to a kid who's six years old, and they act like an adult and idiot. Now, some adults are idiots, right? I mean, true, truly, that. But, but there's this, a change that's happened here. And, and there's this idea that I don't have to listen to anyone. We have kids today that won't look you in the eye. They'll ignore you. They'll walk away from you. They'll tell them to do something. That's problematic. What it is is it's, it's flat-out rebellion. And, and as a believer, God is all about authority. A matter of fact, he's instituted all kinds of authority in our life. Parents, teachers, you know, Hebrews chapter 13, um, government, the church, and so we really have to work hard at teaching our children authority and submission. Um, 
because it's good for them. It's good for them. And this idea that I'll do whatever I want, I won't, I won't listen to anybody, it's rebellion, it's wicked. We've got to get on top of that. Um, and even small things. I mean, when you're t- we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but when you're talking to your kids and they won't look at you, you know what that is? That's rebellion. If I'm talking to Travis, while I'm talking to Travis, he looks, look at what he's doing right now. Stop it, right? He, what he's saying is I actually care less about what you're saying. It doesn't matter. He does this all the time, all right? I mean, and it's, it's, we know that's problematic. When you've got a kid that does that, he's doing the exact same thing or she's doing the same thing. Listen, I don't care what you have to say. It doesn't matter. It's problematic. We are to teach our kil- children to submit and to obey. Kim? Okay. <laughs> when children don't like, um, submit to authorities in their life, it's a breakdown in their home. It's, they're not submitting to their parents or being um, obedient to their parents. And um, when that happens, it, it trickles down. I mean, they're not going to respect their parents. They certainly are not going to respect somebody else. They're not going to respect you know, someone at a store. It's like the teacher, mm-hmm. the law. They're going to do a Justin Bieber. Honestly, the kid gets pulled over and he says to a cop, what the blank are you doing? He's a cop. He should, he should do whatever he wants to do. I mean, the kid's dragging down. I mean, that's what happens. And, and we have to be careful on this. I'm telling you, we are raising children because when they disobey their parents, maybe you don't understand this, they're ultimately disobeying God. Right? Because that's the authority. And this all, you know, we, we say, well, just obey God. Well, if you can't obey people that you see and come in contact to, your children are not going to obey God. They don't see him. They can't touch him. He's not tangible like that. So this, this, these authority structures have to be maintained and obeyed. Okay, They have to obey authority. Authority. Um, it's taught by example. You know, Some of this is us. What's your attitude toward authority? And, and we're all guilty of this. Ain't no one going to tell me what to do. I know. I know. Do your kids hear that about your job, about your husband, your wife, um, about the church? Um, if they do, you are teaching them something. You're teaching them authority doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. And, and it might be cute and funny, but I, I promise you it's going to come back to haunt you. It will. Because they're not going to respect you. And you're going to want them someday to listen to what you're saying. Okay? And, and listen, along with this authority idea too, and submitting and doing what you're told, this is, this is something that was, was, was inst- we were instructed years ago um, by a godly man when we were in Bridgeport. And, and he, he talked about kids obeying, but he went further. And this was really important for And this is what we're talking about our hearts. He talked about obeying an attitude. Okay? It's one thing to have a kid do what you tell them to do. All right? But watch their attitude. Do they do it and they slam the door and roll their eyes? Is that the idea of obedience that we're looking for? It's not obedience. It's an attitude problem. And that's revealing, again, the heart. And so don't let that stuff, at least he did it. No. Hey, come back here, Junior. This is, we don't do things like this. You don't just throw the dishes in the sink and run away or just completely ignore it. You do it with a good attitude. It's everything, and we should do those things. And so be careful. Sometimes we just, we ignore the attitude of our children. It's problematic. That attitude is revealing their hearts. And if you got to do it, and, and, and most of the times, we just don't want to be bothered with it because we're just glad it's done. Listen, you got one shot at this. Don't, don't waste your time on this. Take the, uh, take the ch- chance and the opportunity to have them submit and to obey with the right attitude. It's important. Okay? Questions, comments on that? All right. Number three, teach them how to deal with sin. How to deal with sin. Proverbs chapter 8. The fear of the Lord is that hate evil, pride in the areas, and the evil way, and the poor mouth to 
And the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Our kids have to know how to deal with sin. They have to know how to deal with their own sin. Okay? And, and you have to help them with this. You have to help them understand what it means to deal with their sin. This is going back to the gospel, understanding that we're all sinners. Um, you, you have to understand that they, they have to know how to deal with their own sin. They have to ask for forgiveness. When they do wrong, they have to ask for forgiveness. One of the great things that my in-laws did with the girls when they were growing up was this. When they, when they did something wrong, they would have to say, I'm sorry, but they'd have to say, I'm sorry for what? Not just, I'm sorry, or sorry, right? Or whatever the attitude was. It was like, wait a minute. What are you sorry for? What is it that you did? I, you know, I, I'm sorry that I hit my brother. I'm sorry that I ripped up the whatever. I'm sorry for what I did. That's, that's part of this repentance. It's not just, I'm sorry, flippantly saying, I'm done with this. Help them go through the process of seeing their sin for what it is. It's a violation against God. It hurts other people and eventually it hurts themselves. So they must know how to deal with sin, to ask forgiveness, to say they're sorry, um, to seek reconciliation. Okay? This is a Christian life. And I don't know how you deal with your kids, but when they do wrong, it's not like, okay, you did wrong, they said they're sorry, and then get in your room, I'm done with you. Okay? That's not what we do. Is that what God does to us? We, we, we look for reconciliation. We restore that relationship. Okay? And that's important. They need to know how to deal with their own sin. Not only that, they need to know how to deal with the sins of other people. Your kids will have people sin against them. Don't let your kids be Pharisees. Okay? When people sin against them, they should understand that they sin too, okay? And there's, the, the other person's sin is not any worse than theirs. We sin against God daily. No one will ever sin against us more than we sin against God. No one. And so teach your children that, that people will sin against them. Don't be Pharisees. Don't, don't elevate yourself up. Understand that you're a sinner saved by grace. Help them not to return good for evil. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. And then forgiveness for others. Listen, if they're dealing with a kid in class or even a brother or sister and, and you go through the process of forgiveness then it's done. Don't allow them to keep on bringing it up about how they hurt me and how that wasn't fair and how that wasn't right. Don't let them gossip about it to other people. Don't let them needlessly think about those things. Help them to get, let, them, let that go, how to deal with this, their own sin and the sins of others. Okay? Questions, comments? Confessions? All right. Letter D. Teach your children how to communicate. Ephesians 4.29, unless you're looking at your wife's teeth, if you have this one. Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of mm-hmm. mouth, but that which is good through the use of edifying, that it may, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Yeah. Let no corrupt communication. Teach your kids how to talk, how to listen, how to communicate. Teach them now. If you don't teach them now, when they're in their 20s and 30s, they won't know how to communicate. It'll be problematic. Teach them to listen. That's part of communication. Okay. Teach your kids to listen. Don't let them interrupt. Now, listen to me. This has happened to you. This has happened, happens all the time. It happens with my family members. Um, I'll be on the phone, and um, I'll be talking to my mom. And uh, while I'm talking to my mom, she's babysitting kids. And so I'm talking to her, and all of a sudden she starts talking to these children. And I, I, was, just, I was just talking to her. You know people that do that? Yeah, okay. All right, does it bother you? Yeah, it's like, wait a minute, am I irrelevant here? Do I not even matter? Um, I mean, I'm in mid-sentence, and it's like, it's like, well, wait a minute, we, weren't we just having a conversation? It happens in church. You're talking to somebody, their kids walk up, and they just turn their back on you and ignore you. Listen, I know if the kid's bleeding, right, or he's choking, it, you need to do those things. But when we do that and don't 
help them understand, you've got to listen, just stop. You're not time for you to speak yet. We are teaching them that they're the center of the universe. That we're going to stop everything for you. You're the most important person in the world, and we want you to know that. That's a bad lesson. It's a bad lesson. I'm tempted the next time just to hang up the phone. Really. Or just to walk away from somebody. Right? I'm going to do it. So I just, I just want to try that. I'm just going to walk away. Teach them to listen. Our kids, and, and they all do this. Listen, they think things are urgent. They think like children. One of the things we did that was really helpful for us and our kids, and they even do it today, is we help them understand that, hey, if we're talking to somebody and there's something that, that comes up, stand next to us. Come up and stand right next to us, okay? And we'll acknowledge that you're there. We'll pat them on the head. No, they would grab your hand. They grab your hand. And then you squeeze back and let them know. Yeah, like, all right, no, you squeeze and just let them know, okay, I hear you, all right? And when there's an opportunity to say, okay, thank you, let me, let me just get this for a second, and deal with that. But they'll st- they'd stand there. And we'd let them know, we know you're there. You have to wait. Um, and they still do it today. David will come up, he'll stand. I don't know, you still grab his hand? You grab your hand. Okay, good. Big pause, right? All right. Um, help them to listen. To listen. It's respectful. And they need to. God has given us two ears, one mouth. And there's a reason for that. We should listen twice as much as we speak. Teach them to listen. They have to listen to be good communicators. Okay. Um, and then, go ahead, Kim. With communication, we have, I mean, with the three boys, we have two that are, they do a great job communicating. We have one that is a terrible communicator. Would you like to guess who, who the worst communicator in our family is? Dan, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, it. It's AJ. He's the worst communicator. He is. And so you have to find different ways to mm-hmm. get him to open up. open up a little bit. And it's not by pushing him or anything. So you do learn, like, little things about your kid. He's just not, that's not his makeup as far as to be real verbal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure everybody has kids that it's like, this one just, he's not verbal or, you know, he doesn't communicate well, has a hard time explaining how he feels, you know. And you need wisdom. That's why why spending time with your kids is wisdom. Uh, I I can tell you oftentimes I'd have a conversation with AJ and Kim had to be there because she had to interpret to him what I was saying to him. And then she had to interpret to me what he was trying to say to me. It was really, it was, it was bad. It was like, no, no, what he's trying to say is, all right, no, what he, what, right? And, and I started off, I started off on the wrong, and, and, and not knowing how he communicates like that, um, just laying into him with a topic, and I mean laying into him on a topic, it didn't go well, right? I had to listen to him and what he was saying and really try to listen. What, what, what we do often is we listen to a person because we're waiting to make the next point, and not really understanding what they're saying. We're just, we're just ready for that first pause when they take a breath to jump in and say something. That's problematic, right? So make sure that he's okay, Michelle. We're going to have a kid. Okay, good, good, good. Don't leave. Because we're going to be in the auditorium in a minute with all the kids anyway. So this is just a prelude to what's to come. All right? Um, and so have wisdom there. Help your children. Listen, I want you to think about the big picture. We're not just talking about getting through today. We're talking about raising children who are, who are good believers. They know Christ. They love him. And they've learned some things in their life. So when they're 20 and 30, they're not going through the process from scratch. Love your kids enough to take the time to instruct them. Now, I know there are times when you think, oh, just stop. I'm so I can't do this right now. And sometimes you need a break. But listen, look for those opportunities and make sure that we're, we're instructing them. We're teaching them. That's our job. Okay, and, and look forward to it. We have the opportunity to mold and shape the next generation of believers. And we can give them a great foundation if we're not lazy. Don't be lazy. Teach them how to communicate, how to listen. Teach them how to speak. 
Too many of our kids lie. They just flat out lie. And we excuse it. We say it's exaggeration. It's, listen, when you allow them to lie and they get away with it, you embolden them. You just, they become better liars. There are kids now who are teenagers, and I got to tell you, sometimes I'm not, I'm not sure when they're lying or telling the truth. And I'm not sure that they know anymore. Because they, they were allowed to continue that. Teach them how to speak. It wouldn't be a bad idea sometimes a family to go through the book of Proverbs, maybe do it first on your own, and find out all the things the Bible says about your, your lips, how you speak and what you say, about lying, about an angry word, about gossip, about boasting, about who they are. I mean, teach them how to speak and correct them when they're wrong. Um, and again, do it because you love them enough that you don't want to have a liar in their 30s. And everyone knows he's telling a story again. There are guys, and guys do this. We, we, should, we should call them out on this sometimes. They start telling this story about, yeah, when I was a kid, I got stabbed in the leg, and I just pulled the knife out and ran. You know, and everybody knows the guy's lying. Everybody. And it's like awkward. I think we should just say, you're lying. That's not true. And walk away from the guy. But he's been lying his whole life. And now at 30, he just thinks everyone accepts his lies. Don't raise a kid like that. Nancy? What were some of the things you guys did with your boys? When, when you knew that your children were lying? Oh, the first thing, I gave you a story about David. We confronted them about the lie. Hey, listen, that's not true. And, and here's the deal, right? When you watch your kids, you know them well enough, when they say something, you, you know by their body language, mm, I'm not sure about that. You, you sent, mom, you sense that. You just asked your kid a question. It was like, ah, that was a weird answer. Or that was too quick. Or, or something. And listen, you have that sense and feeling because God is trying to help you deal with that child. Don't just ignore that. If that kid says something, it doesn't strike you the right way about, hey, what happened in school? You know, it's some weird thing. Stop and probe a little bit. Okay? So the first thing is, when, when we thought they were, we, went, we investigated that. If they were lying then, we made them make that right. I'll tell you something. And this is good for us. If you have a problem in this area, um, if you say something that's not true and you're made to go up to someone and tell them what I just said was not true, I just lied to you, it is humiliating, it is embarrassing, and the next time you're tempted to do that, to lie, you're going to think twice. And so, not that we want to humiliate our kids, but we didn't want liars. Here, here's the problem with a liar. Um, you can't help them. You can't help them. There is, there's no way. Because it's never their fault. They never did it. It's always somebody else. So, it's a real big problem. So we, we, we acknowledged it, we dealt with it, and when they lied, we, we made them make it right. And in our house, we, we had those big threes. Lying was one of the worst things you could do. And, and you should say to your kids, listen, you're going to do wrong. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that are so stupid. But you might have consequences for that, but the consequences for lying are far greater. I mean, we're talking about your name, your reputation, the testimony of God and, and our family, and, and just being truthful. So we made a big deal out of the lying thing. And, and I think it was the right thing to do for our family, and right? It doesn't, it's funny because it doesn't just like, oh, they're three and they're doing it. Um, David got a thing from Mel and Joan Rice. He was probably, I don't know, 10. And they bought him like a little race car. It was for Christmas. Yeah. And they asked him how he liked it. And he said, oh, it's really fun. And he hadn't played with it yet. And so we didn't know that he had that conversation. And um, about, I don't know, two weeks later... He's like, I can't sleep. And we're like, what's wrong? He said, I lied to Mel and John. And so um, we're, yeah, this is ten years. And we're like, oh, okay, that's bad. You know, let's ask God to forgive me. What should we do? And then he's like, I need to go tell him I lied. Like, oh, my goodness. What, what are you? Yeah, yeah, you got to do that. You know? And so it was embarrassing. I mean, you feel like, oh, my but that was him saying, I need to make this thing right. And so what we did was I called Mel and Jones. We need to talk to you. And they're like, okay. And they don't know what's going on, right? 
we walk in there, we sit down, and they said, hey, I was glad David's here, right? I said, hey, David has something to say to you. And so he says, you asked me about this the other day, about this, it was a train set. Yeah. And he said, I told you it was fun and great. I didn't play with it. I lied to you. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't tell them it's okay. Okay? Because they want to just make everything better. Like, oh, don't worry about it. It's like, no. He, 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 was, he felt bad. He did the wrong thing. And he's asking you for forgiveness. And they said, we forgive you. But how cool that is as far as how God starts dealing with your kid's heart then. It's not, I mean, because when they're little, it's, all, it's you. You know, it's like, mm. I caught you lying, you know, and they're like, ugh. But then, I mean, the older they get to just see God working in their Amen. little lives and how he, I mean, right. he has a relationship with the Lord, and it's growing. So. Yeah, and he was, he was the one that wasn't sleeping at night. Yeah. Well, I didn't know anything about that story. I had no idea that he talked to them, all right? And, and I wish at the time, don't tell me, all right? But it, it was what he had to do. And so and I hope that helps, Nancy. But for us, the lying, I, because I learned early on that you can't help a liar. I dealt with too many people that they're liars, and, and you, can't, you can never get to the bottom of anything because it's always not their fault. They blame everybody else. It's a problem, you know, and God wants truth. I mean, he's the God of truth, and so... And I do think saying you will be in trouble for certain things, but if you lie about it, yeah. the consequences are much more severe. Because um, when your kid comes to you and says, I did something bad, um, it's different than when they are lying about it. So. And then they're caught later on. The older two are fine, and the youngest one, you yeah. are a rebel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the baby, you know how those babies are. That little child, <laughs> um, we just can't seem to, to tell him, he doesn't understand, to look him at, uh-huh. Stay with it. Just be consistent. Be consistent. And, and you'll be surprised what they do understand when they're acting like they have no idea. They do all those things that you're doing, that repetition. We talk about that from Isaiah, line upon line, precept upon precept. Don't, don't get weary in that. Because if, if there's one thing I could tell you for this whole class, you've got to be consistent. Because this stuff in your house not, never knowing what's wrong, never knowing what's right, never knowing when, when I've crossed the line, it's confusion. Um, and, 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 and you will, if you're really trying to get a hold of your kids and their heart and their life, you keep on sort of jettisoning the whole process. You're thrown overboard every time you, you come up with some different plan or different idea. I'm not talking about adjusting as you see things in your kids, but there ought to be, this is how we do things. And, and you might not like it now, but we're going to keep on doing this. With Kim and I, we both have these strong wills. And it was like, okay, you want to throw down. Our will is stronger than your will. You're just not going to win this. And believe me, they all, all of them, every one of them, at different times in their life, tested us. Every one of them. And, and David had a spell one time with going to bed. It was like, oh my goodness, this kid is a blockhead. I mean, one night, it was like hours with this struggle. Hours. And his brothers were like, please, David, stop it. Stop it. And his brothers were all concerned about it. And, he just, and it was like, okay, I mean, if you want a showdown, I'm still your dad. Um, and you're the child, and so, but you got to be consistent. It can be so shocking the rebelliousness or the way they lie. Um, it's <laughs> shocking that I mean, it's like I can't believe you're this bad. I mean, I mean, we're all that bad. Right. I mean, it's I just, revealing, isn't it? Are you kidding me? Right. All you have to do is go to bed. Right. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't get it. So. No. no. Oh, no, no, no. No, you've not heard the worst thing we've had. All right. She said, we're, we're talking from the other side of raising kids. In the midst of it, we thought, we don't know what we're doing. No, 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 no. Listen, and, and, and the most of the stories you hear are good stories. Like, oh, David confessed that. We took the, listen, we got lots of stories that weren't that way. These are just the three that we remember. It's like, oh, that was really good. All right. Um, Dan? I don't know if I can speak for everybody here, but for myself, like, it's easy to deal with a child that lied to you in your own house. 
when you lie to somebody out of your house, it's kind of, I think it's more embarrassing for your parent too, like, to go up to that person and make kids got to talk to them, right? Uh-huh. Like, it kind of makes you embarrassed. It is. But I just look at the bigger picture. I'm like, you know, I'm teaching my kid. You know, I don't care how you think I am by making my kid. That's right. By making my kid do the right thing. Right. And that's a challenge, Dan, because oftentimes when we talk about these things, it's embarrassing for us. I don't want to call the Rices. I don't want them to know that David lied to them. And there's somebody out of pride in my heart, like, my son wouldn't, right? But I'm not helping him. And it is more problematic when you're dealing with the outside world, right? Or even family members that, that, that want to act like it's not a big deal. You've got to teach your children that it is a big deal. And, and stop them. Say, no, wait, wait. We, we, um, our kids stole tomatoes. I mean, I told you, I know you know the story, but uh, AJ and Greg, we had, a, we had a neighborhood garden when we were in Bridgeport. And the guy across the street was a, he was a teacher. He was meticulous. The garden was beautiful. And one day we come home and there's a stack of green to, I mean, a stack of green tomatoes in our backyard. I mean, shish kebabs on, like, <laughs> on stick. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it was, yeah, green tomatoes. And it was, they had just stripped his, I mean, it was, they were gone. They are gone. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you don't. I'm the assistant pastor at Bridgeport. The guy knows it. He's an atheist. You know, he has problems with Christianity. And it's like, you guys. And so we marched them both over there. And his wife answered the door. And she, she didn't lay into them, but she was like, you ought not. And she was going on. She was letting them have it at the door. About, and it, she wasn't mean. And it was, at first I was like, okay, wait a minute. That's enough. All right, stop. It's okay now. But she was right. She said, you boys. And then she said, thank you for telling me the truth. And, and we talked to the boys afterwards. Um, it was embarrassing to go to my neighbor. And then really embarrassing after she laid into my kids. I was like, oh, my goodness, I didn't expect that. Um, but she was right. And the boys learned a lesson. They learned a good lesson. And so um, be careful. A lot of times we, we are embarrassed. It's a, we make it about us, and it shouldn't be about us. Listen, your kids, I promise you, are going to be bad. I promise you. You know how I know? Because I see them. Okay? And because I, I've, I'm ra- I've raised two I'm raising another one. They're bad. And they do things that just shock me at times. Okay? That's not the problem. They're sinners. We should expect them to be bad. Okay? Don't be embarrassed by it. Just deal with it. Be honest. We can be transparent. Okay? Don't act like your kids are perfect. They're not. Nobody's kids are perfect. Right? And you're going to have these battles. Don't be weary of that. Be consistent. Don't be embarrassed. Drive on. All right? Anything else? All right. Um, Teach your children. Letter E. Where are we at? Oh, my goodness. Okay. To love and serve others. Philippians 2, 3. To love and serve others. Who's got that one? Go ahead, Nancy. Let nothing be done to strive for vain glory, for the lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Start early in your kid's life to teach him to serve. Teach him to serve. Jesus Christ was a servant. He said, I didn't come to, to be ministered unto you, but I came to minister and give my life a ransom for many. Um... The Christian life is about service. And listen, this is for us too, as, as adults. If you don't learn how to serve, you will never be happy in life. Never. If your husband always wants your wife to serve you and you're doing nothing, you're a greedy pig. And you'll never be happy. Never. It's true. You're a greedy pig. You'll never be happy. And you're selfish. You don't understand Christianity. Jennifer, if that hurts you a little bit, that's okay. Um, um, if... if <laughs> If your wife, if your wife, and all you want is my time, and you take care of me, and all, you will never, you will never experience the joy of serving other people. Eric, Leslie's not here, so go ahead. No, like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's too so dramatic. What is? I think there needs to be called sin. What it is? It's dark. It's evil. It's, you know, they sin is nameless sin.
So you like the greedy pig part that I just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, good. It's, it's true. It's true. And, and it's, it's ugly. It's, and it's ugly. Pain is ugly. Yeah. Yeah, you put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, right? Yeah. So, okay, greedy pigs, filthy, disgusting. But, and it's true. And here's the deal about our sin, too. And we do, here's what we do sometimes. You can get me off on the topic. But, um, Lord, forgive me my sin. Isn't that easy? That sounds really good. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. How about this one? Lord, forgive me my wicked lust. Forgive me of my arrogant pride. When I said that, I lifted myself up and I made it all about me. Lord, forgive me of my adulterous heart. Ooh, that doesn't sound very nice, does it? Because it's not very nice. It's, it's your sin. It's my sin. And we have to. So don't be a greedy pig, right, if you learn anything. Um, you never learn what the joy of serving is. Teach your children the joy of serving. Listen, I, I got lots of bad examples of my kids, but, but the other day, um, I got up at, uh, I couldn't sleep. I've been having trouble getting sleep. I don't know what that's about. But I was up at 3 o'clock. And so I'm walking through the house. I'm looking outside. And it's still snowing. And, you know, all this stuff. It's really cool. Um, and I told David, David, this was on Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday night. And it was snowing. It looked really bad. I said, David, if it's snowing tomorrow morning, let's get up early before school. Let's go shovel some driveways. We do that. And sometimes we incorporate people. Sometimes we don't. Um, and so, um, so he said, okay. So now I've been up since 3. It's 5 in the morning. I'm restless. And I'm thinking it just snowed all night. So I, I wake up Dave at 5 o'clock. He says, David, let's go get out of bed. We're going to go shovel driveways. And so I get him out of bed. And I, I pull out the driveway. And when I pull out the driveway, I realize it didn't snow very much. Like about half an inch. <laughs> I, I thought it was terrible. So I drive down the road thinking, oh my goodness, there's nothing to shovel. And so we drive a couple people's houses. We, we looked in their driveways. We didn't look in their windows. We looked in their driveways. And... Um, and it, there's nothing to shovel. And so I said, ah, Dave, I'm really sorry. <clears throat> let's, um, let's just go get breakfast. So we went to McDonald's, had a nice breakfast, went back to bed after we went to school. He never complained once. Can I tell you something? If I'm 14 years old, my dad wakes up at 5 in the morning to do nothing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not really happy about that. Right? But let me tell you something about those boys. And, and listen, I, and I say this, and you know this. My kids have done dumb things, terrible things. They're not perfect. I could tell you scores of stories. And church people tell you scores of stories, dumb things they've done. Um, but they have served from the time they were little. It was never a question for them. When we first came here, we cleaned this church every week. Every week. Every week we cleaned the church. Um, and my boys got up on Saturday and they did it. They, they, they just assumed. They assumed that this was life. This is this. this yeah, let's get up on Saturday. Let's go clean someplace. Let's go shovel someplace. Let's go do something. Let's serve somebody. Listen to me. Teach your children now. It is the way of true joy and happiness. It pleases God. And we, we become like Christ. So watch them. <clears throat> Even your kids when they're playing a game, and it's like, no, it's my rules. I just play my way. Right? No, that's not the right way. Hey, kid, chill out. Let your little brother, let your little sister play. Let them be okay. It's not about, why don't you serve them? You see, all those little things make a difference. And so do it while they're young. And, and don't ever think they're too young to serve. That's not true. You take your kids to a nursing home sometime when they're about two or three years old, and those people light up. And what you've just done, you've allowed your kids to serve somebody else. They can do it. They can do it. Um, it doesn't matter. They can be young and do a lot of things that you don't think they can do. Help them to serve early on. It's important. If you can, if you're working as a family, make it enjoyable, not miserable. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got to clean the garage, don't throw them out of bed at Saturday morning. Get out of bed, we're cleaning the garage, it's going to be miserable today. Okay. okay, you want me to have a good attitude about that. And some parents, you do this. You make it miserable. Don't. You didn't like it. Don't do it to your kids. 
don't make it miserable. Hey, hey, make it fun, man. Hey, even clean up toys with, a, with boys. Hey, there's a basket right there. Let's play basketball. There's the toy box. Let's shoot away and let them shoot in the basket all day long until all the toys are gone. Swat a couple in their face, have a good time, right? But you can do that. Look for creative ways to have fun when you serve. And, and look at, um, when, we, when we shovel, my boys, if I get them a hot chocolate, they think it's great. That's a hot chocolate, man. I get Travis a hot chocolate. Dan, hot, it's great. Life is good. It's hot. It's a stupid hot chocolate. I spent a buck, right? You can, it doesn't cost. You, reward them. Have a good time. Make it fun, okay? It's important. It really is. You will not be sorry for that. Teach your kids to be servants. But you have to be a servant. Don't be like, yeah, you boy got to serve. I'm going to sit here and watch you. It's mm, a bad idea. You're, you, that's a bad idea. Get involved with them, okay? Good. Uh, let's quickly move on. Uh, letter F, deal with expectations. And these are bad expectations, I think. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Yeah. Teach your kids right now. They don't need everything. They don't. Don't get wrapped up in that. Because I want to tell you something. Then they'll expect everything in their life. They don't need that. Expect them to deal with, 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 with failures, disappointments, not having everything. It'll be a blessing to them in the future, okay? Uh, I hope you understand that. Uh, you're setting them up for failure if they think they have to have everything. And then they get married and think that i got to have everything right now, and, and you're setting them up for failure. Help them to be content with what they have, with what they have. And if, and if you can do this as they get older, send them on a mission trip, man. You want them to be content with what they have? Send them on a mission trip. Send them outside of our culture and let, let them see how other people live, Okay. It'll change them. Uh, the last couple, stewardship, 1 Corinthians 4.2, Dan. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man become faithful. Stewardship. Hey, help them to manage their time. Don't, don't let them just come home and watch cartoons for four hours. Okay? Help them to manage their money at an early age when they make money. Don't just let them spend it all at the dollar store. It's David. It's money's pile. He's going to spend it at the dollar store. That's his papa's fault, I think. All right? Um, teach them to have stewardship and to manage what God has given them, okay? It's important. So manage your time. Don't let them be idle and lazy. Um, uh, here's the next one. Uh, letter I, uh, Colossians 3.23. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not 3.23, make the change in your paper. Sorry, Ben, you were right on the verse. I was wrong. Give you the wrong thing. Um, to work, listen to me. I'm not just talking about boys. I'm about boys and girls at an early age. Teach them to work. Teach them to work. Teach them how to work. Um, I've been reading through the Old Testament, right? And um, I, I, this just struck me again uh, in both in Exodus and then it's Deuteronomy now. Um, you know how many days the Lord told us to work? Six. Six days. That's a lot of work. That's six days. He gets one day off. Six days of work. And what he's telling us is we're designed to work. We find fulfillment, fulfillment and happiness and joy, uh, creativity in work and accomplishing something. Teach your kids to work, to do a job right. And not to be OCD and crazy, and you know what I mean, but just to do it right. I'm telling you something, and you know this. If you've been working with 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds lately, none of them know how to work. None of them. None of them. We have guys in their 50s and 60s who are better workers and harder workers than 20-year-olds. That's a problem. You teach your children how to work and work hard and do things right, they will always have a job. Always. Always. 
Don't shortchange that. Teach them how to work. And again, do it right. Do it with a good attitude and let them know they can please the Lord through that. And then finally, letter J, teach them about marriage. How do you do that? You live out your marriage the right way in front of them. Listen, the kind of man that you want your daughter to marry, you better be that man. You better give her an example of what she ought to be looking for, of what real affection looks like and how you treat her. Um, if you want, if you want um, for, your, for your sons, right, to teach them how to be the right kind of man, they need to see that from you. You need to model that in front of them, to how, to how to respond to the opposite sex, how to open up a car door or open a door, right? You ought to be doing those things, and they ought to see that in your home. That's modeling that to your children. Their concept of marriage and what it looks like and how it's supposed to be done is, is going to come from you. So you ought to be training them and teaching them. This is what marriage, and when I'm wrong, when I, when I said something to your mom in front of you that I shouldn't have said, boys, I'm sorry, that was stupid. I should have never spoken to your mom like that. And then in front of them, hey, sweetheart, I'm sorry, I should have never said that. Right? Teach them how to, to, to respect marriage and teach them now. And they see that by how you act. And, and you're teaching them all the time. You're, you're teaching them good things. You're, you're teaching them bad things. Teach them the right way. Ephesians 5 has lots to say about that. Any questions, comments, anything? This is your last opportunity for parenting questions in a controlled environment. Anything at all? Nothing? Nothing? Going once? Going twice? All right, we'll see you in church.